shit and paper on his player haters old news money on the other line so I'm not gonna Ladies and gentlemen welcome back man episode 4 of I'm not gonna hold you man I am your host Scott you know to follow me on Twitter at barbchair scott on Twitter and Instagram uh you can follow the Barber's Chair Network at Barber's Chair Net on Twitter and Instagram. Follow HMB Media, HMB Media TV on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, subscribe to the Barber's Chair Network Patreon at patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network. Got the $5 package. If you just want to hear summer sessions with me, my brother Flows, with Pav, with Damien, you know that you can sign up for that package. If you want everything, including our WWE Top 25 that we do with Pierce and the homie Chris and Rob. And if you want to hear our Sopranos breakdowns and other legendary shows, of course, subscribe to the $10 package of Barbershare All Access. But we are back here, man. Uh, as you can see, we are not on set. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back on set in a couple weeks. You know what I'm saying? Had a, you know, we've got a couple, you know, little, little situations going on. So hopefully everything gets better with that. But um, we are here and it's just time to, uh, you know, go into it with my sound off, man. Uh we are here, and it is uh, when when you hear this, it will be Thursday, July twenty second, and the NBA Finals is over. The NBA season is over. The Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions, and um, I think the thing about that, I want to start off with my sound off is Giannis. Giannis shutting me the hell up. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I was a big Giannis fan before this past season that just finished um i really liked the story i really liked how he pretty much you know came from being a top 15 pick not a lot of people talking about him to being one of the best players in the league being a two-time mvp being a defensive player of the year and uh i thought that was pretty uh you know pretty a good thing to you know watch his growth over the last couple years but the thing that kind of would annoy me and kind of got me off the bandwagon a little bit was the fact that he kind of went non-existent in the fourth quarters the last two postseasons. Remember the East Conference Finals in 2019, where Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors did a fantastic job of getting him up out of there and just pretty much making him uh, not really a threat as he usually was. And last year in, the, in, in that government experiment that I like to that I like to call the Milwaukee, I mean not Milwaukee, but the Miami Heat pretty much did their thing to get him out of there too. So I was just frustrated with him having all this talent. And not being really able to dominate in the fourth quarter like I expected him to, like a lot of people expected him to. And this postseason, man, he shut me the hell up. I mean, just the way he stepped up, uh, he was able to get the ball in the fourth quarter. Not only that, being able to defer to Chris Middleton a lot of times in the fourth quarter, knowing that, you know, this is not my game where I can go shot for shot with the opposing team's best player all the time when I have a guy like Chris Middleton who can shoot very, very well. Now, of course, Middleton is streaky. Uh, Middleton has been a guy that I have not been a fan of. Middleton's another guy who shoved me the hell up in this offseason. Not that I didn't think Middleton had the talent, but like I've said on this show, like I've said on my other podcast, I always felt like he, as you know, what Stringer Bell would say on the wire, was a 40-degree day. You know, nobody gets excited about a fucking 40-degree day. But Giannis, man, he went out there last night as we record this is Wednesday, we went out there in game six and just really just, to me, had a top three finals closeout game performance. I still think number one on my list will probably be Michael Jordan's 45 on the road in Utah in game six at age 36. And with Scottie Pippen pretty much missing a great chunk of that game on the road, I think that'll probably be the most impressive uh, closeout game. But 
Second will probably be Magic Johnson coming off the uh, coming off and starting uh, as center when Kareem got hurt in 1980 with uh, you know his in his rookie season and pretty much dominating there scored a triple had a triple double and won Finals MVP. I'll put Giannis at third. Giannis had 50 points, 16 for 25 from the field, 14 rebounds and five blocks. I mean that dude was everywhere, man. And so I'm just gonna you know kick it off with my sound off by you know thank you Giannis for shutting me up. Thank you. I, I am. I am. Uh, I'm very happy. I've never been happy to be wrong. Cause it's not like I hated Giannis. I just want him to do better, and I'm glad he did that, man. And also, you sent Chris Paul home. Anybody know how I feel about CP3? So Giannis, you have a fan in me forever, man. Just for that, man, and just to see a guy like that, you know his uh his post game interview was. Uh, and I always love those post game interviews where you talk to the Finals MVP every year. You can really see all the emotions pouring out of him, especially for players who just winning their first championship and just see him out there being emotional about, you know, how, you know, his mother used to sell stuff in the streets to get them money. And, you know, how he didn't even eight months before he got to leave, he didn't even know where his family was going to get his neck, their next meal from. So something like that, you got to respect, man. And, and I just love every moment of it, man. So let's get into my rundown. First topic of the day, of course, we're going to be talking about a lot of Giannis on here. And by the way, later in the show, I will have my homie Pavi will be joining me as my guest. So he'll be uh, later on to talk about, you know, everything involving the NBA. A lot of NBA coverage on today's show because this will be the last time we'll be discussing NBA unless there's some big free agency moves as we're getting ready to go into the stretch run of uh, the baseball season. And, of course, the best sport of all, the best league of them all, NFL training camp is next week. But – Let's talk about it, Giannis. The Giannis era, in my opinion, began last night. I don't think that this is a, a situation where, you know, it's one of those fly-by-night titles or, you know, here today, gone tomorrow type thing. And I don't honestly think it's the end of the super team era either. I know Giannis had a quote in uh, his post game. He said, you know, I could have left. I could have went and joined the super team, but that would have been the easy way out. He said, I, I did it. The hard way, I did the right way. Or he said, I did the right fucking way, is what he said, you know. And you know, a lot of people got riled up about, the, about that comment. Even on social media this morning, I see a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of upset about that. And actually, I agree with Giannis. And, and my whole thing with the super teams is I always feel like I never liked it to begin with. We go back 11 years prior to when the super team era as we know it really started and i know a lot of people like to a lot of laker fans a lot of lebron stands like to say well we're gonna forget about boston boston in my opinion wasn't the super team as the, as the way we know it right now and i say that because a lot of those dudes were past their prime and not only that it was a team that was put together by the front office they traded for kevin garnett they traded for ray allen they gave up a lot of draft capital to get both of those it's not like, you know, when we saw LeBron linking up with D-Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami, we had never seen no shit like that before, ever. And it just kind of, like, changed the, the face of the league. And that's just how it's been for 10 years, for, I mean, for the last decade, pretty much. And I have no problem with that now. That's just how it is. You know, even the thing with the Warriors, a lot of people got upset about KD joining a 73-9 and team. And I always thought that was hilarious because – which way is it going to be? We're talking about the 73 and 9 wars because you can't have it both ways. People always bring up the 73 wins when it's time to shit on the Warriors. They lost that final. I could see if the Warriors won and then you have uh, KD joining the team that just won a championship. They lost that fucking championship. So it's not like it's anything to where he joined the, uh, a winner that just came off a championship. So that was something that always kind of annoyed me too. But 
if you see the way Giannis does it, I think it's something that is a little bit more admirable. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and act like, oh, there's levels of championships. No, I disagree with that. I think there's all all championships are created equal for these elite players. And I say elite players because a lot of idiots out there like, well, when we talk about rings, I like to bring up Robert Horry and his seven rings. With all due respect to Robert Horry, I think Robert Horry is one of the greatest role players of all time, one of the greatest clutch players of all time. But Robert Horry's seven rings aren't the same as Michael Jordan's six or the same as LeBron's four or the same with Kobe's five. Anybody with a brain knows that shit. But with, you know, Giannis's championship doesn't, you know, isn't any more, uh, isn't any better than LeBron's three that he won with, uh, with, with uh, Miami. I mean, two that he won with Miami uh, and one that he won with Cleveland. It's not any better than Kevin Durant's two with the Golden State Warriors. But I will say it was probably a little more impressive. And I say that because he had guys like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton with him. And these are good players. Chris Middleton is a multi-time all-star. Drew Holiday is a solid uh, guard, one of the best defensive guards in the league. But these ain't guys you look at as superstar players, superstar caliber players. These aren't guys who, you know, are going to the Hall of Fame. And I think that's what makes it a little more impressive. And, you know, we can sit up here and talk about Phoenix and their run and my hat's off to them and I'll get to them later in the show. And, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and blame injuries either. You know, injuries are part of the game, but Milwaukee's run was a little bit more impressive. You know, Phoenix, every team they beat had a significant injury when they beat the Lakers. Anthony Davis missed the last two games of the series. LeBron hasn't been the same since he messed up his ankle in April. You go against the Denver Nuggets. They went against the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Go against the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard missed a great majority of that series. So we have to include that. And that's not shitting on the Suns. You play who's in front of you. You can't control injuries. If I wanted, if one of my teams won a championship and the other team missed their uh, best player, I wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> As a fan, I wouldn't give a shit. If I was a player, I wouldn't give a shit. That's just how the game is. But if you look at Milwaukee, their run, getting their revenge against Miami, who embarrassed them in the government experiment last year. And even though uh, Kyrie Irving got hurt, even though James Harden was still out there on one leg, I think if you can even look at Harden, the scoring wasn't there like it probably should have. But Harden's probably number one skill is his playmaking ability. He's still out, able to be out there and make plays. And they still went on the road, won a game seven, where KD was cooking. KD was cooking him. KD foot was just like a his shoes, just an inch or two smaller. Maybe Brooklyn would be NBA champions right now. We don't know, but that's also that was a big legacy moment for them. They went out there and took advantage of it. When uh, Giannis got hurt in the Eastern Conference Finals, you had Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday carry the load and lead this team back to the NBA Finals. So it was just a real impressive thing. And I think lad, I think the end of this game signals the Giannis era. Now, I still think pound for pound, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. But it's hard to argue anybody who thinks that Giannis is the best player in the NBA. And I think this is officially Giannis League. And I don't think that LeBron is, you know, done or anything like that. I don't think he's going to win a championship again. But I do think he'll always be in that championship uh, conversation, at least for the next couple of years. And I do think the West is going to be reloaded. I do think Brooklyn's going to come back next year. But I think this is a tremendous monkey off the back of the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, I say that because now I think next year is no limits. 
And it's kind of scary. I, I don't think we've seen final form, Giannis. I mean, he's only 26 years old. I think he can get even better. Most athletes don't really get into the prime of their career to about 27, 28 years old. And I don't I, I think people are gonna want to play with Milwaukee. I don't know if you're gonna you can get any big, you know, name free agents, but at this point, you really don't need that. If you get you a couple solid more guys to kind of re-up and get ready for what Brooklyn is gonna throw you or whatever Philly's gonna look like next year, I think that's gonna be something that's good. And I think it's something that's really like the passing of the torch kind of i like the picture that the bucks social media tweeted out uh at the end of game five it was kind of like a poetic picture to me where Giannis is like in midair catching the lob from chris middleton which is going to be a legendary play that we're going to see in the annals of not just uh milwaukee and wisconsin history but nba history it's like you kind of like you saw like chris paul falling like fouling him trying to like hold on to him like it's like his last chance. And you see LeBron in the background, you know, as he's courtside watching the game. And it kind of looked like, oh, shit. Like, it's like this is his league now. And I kind of like it's like the unofficial pass of the tour. So I think it's Giannis' league. I think it's the Giannis era. And I think from here on out, the sky's the limit. I think the sky limit is from Giannis. Not this sky limit is for the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you look his at his, uh, at his stats, I mean, if you look at his – um, just resume. He has one of the most crazy resumes in the league, man. I mean, he is the first ever player to average 30, 10, and 5 on 60% shooting in the finals. First player to have 50, 10, and 5 in a finals game. And he's the first ever to win most improved player, MVP, defense player of the year, and finals MVP. The only other two people to win MVP, defense player of the year, and finals MVP were, were the GOAT Michael Jordan and arguably the greatest center of all time, Hakeem, the Dream Olajuwon, man. So you got to you got to just salute, you know, and it's just something right now. I don't even if you don't like Giannis, I don't understand how you can hate this dude. And if you're the NBA and you were looking for who's going to be that guy who's going to be able to take the mantle of this is your league when LeBron ultimately retires. I think Giannis, I think Giannis is going to be the one who's going to do it. So let's get into our the rest of the NBA finals recap as we get into this, man. I think this was a very entertaining finals. I know a lot of people came into this uh, series kind of bitching about it, and it kind of annoyed me. And I feel like if you were one of those people who uh, you didn't want to watch because LeBron wasn't playing or you didn't want to watch because Curry wasn't playing, you missed some damn good basketball. Not only did I think this postseason was fun, first postseason we've had in two years with crowds, um, this finals was very competitive. And it was the most competitive finals we've seen, honestly, probably in about – as far as game for game, probably since 2013. I mean, if you look at this final since then, 2014 was a uh, was a five game series. The the Spurs pretty much handled Miami. Um, game. I mean, 2015 was so so. 2016. I know everybody's gonna bring up 2016. 2016 has a legendary story. The Cavs being the first team to come back from a 3-1 deficit in the finals and uh, LeBron James finally avenging his loss to the Warriors the year before. But if you look at it from a game-for-game perspective, outside of game seven, game five, you know, you had Kyrie and Bron putting up 80 points combined. A lot of them games was with was, was some blowouts. It wasn't really the most entertaining series game by game. But I will say that game seven is probably a top three basketball game that I've ever seen. But as far as a series perspective, I think this this finals that we just finished watching is the best one we've seen in almost in almost eight years. So I have to give it to them. But we talked about the Bucks. 
Let's talk about Let's talk about Phoenix. Let's talk about Phoenix Suns, man. Phoenix had a great run. Chris Paul had a great run. Devin Booker had a great run. But you know, like 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 the the greatest rapper of all time, Brooklyn Prophet by the name of Sean Corey Carter once said, "More victories are for minor league coaches. I'm not really finna hear up here and give them their flowers. You lost. You lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the losers just the second. I mean, the, the, if you lose, nobody remembers. Nobody's gonna remember this run five, ten years from now because nobody cares. Ask yourself if you're not a diehard sports fan, do you know who lost the Super Bowl ten years ago? Probably not. You lost. You know who lost the NBA Finals ten years ago? Probably not because we don't think about the losers. And I know a lot of people like rain culture, rain culture. And the reason I have a problem with that because you play to win the fucking game, which is my favorite sports quote ever. Shout out, shout out to the guy Herm Edwards. You play to win the fucking game. And there's winners and there's losers. Now, that doesn't mean that your career is any less spectacular or, you know, you weren't a great player. I don't think this changes Chris Paul's legacy um, anymore than it did before. You know, I still think he's a top five point guard of all time. It definitely could enhance it. But <laughs> you lost. It's just, it's just really that plain and simple. And if you're Phoenix, you had to win right now. You had to win right now because – of uh, what's going to happen next year. The West is going to be back. The Lakers are going to be back. Um, you know, you you, you you assume that Anthony Davis will be more healthy than he was this year. Now, I say assume because I saw a quote on Twitter, which is actually kind of funny to me. Uh, uh, healthy Anthony Davis just means he ain't hurt yet. <laughs> That's all that shit means. But um, Anthony Davis will be back. LeBron will be back. I'm pretty sure they're going to add somebody else to that team. Uh, even if uh, Kawhi Leonard does miss majority of the season, I think what we've seen from the Clippers this year is that Paul George is a more effective player when he's the number one option. So I think they'll be there. Denver's going to get Jamal Murray back. Uh, the Warriors are going to be back. Klay Thompson's going to be back. Who knows if they, if they add anybody during the offseason? Who knows what's going to happen? So I really feel like they blew a golden opportunity, especially if you're Chris Paul. Chris Paul is, what, 36 years old now? Um and it's something that, something that you know he's gonna look look at back down the road. Like, damn, I fucked that up. And as far as you know, his contract goes, I think he's going to stay in uh, Phoenix. One, he's the president of basketball association. So I'm president of players association, so he can't really go out and take a massive pay cut. I know we hear the Laker rumors. Unless he takes a massive pay cut, which he really can't do as a president, I don't see that happening. If I'm the Lakers, honestly, I wouldn't want no parts of him or Russell Westbrook. I think that is playing backwards. I think you need you a younger point guard, somebody who makes more sense, you know, get you more spacing on that team. What we saw, that was a huge issue for the Lakers in the postseason. There's none of their guys, none of their, none of their uh, bench players get shots. Um, so I think that's something that they got to watch out for. And um, I just think, man, Chris Paul – it's like, where do you go from here? And if you're the Phoenix Suns, you got to find a way to re-up. You got to find a way to re-up because you can't just run it back with the way the rest is going to be reloaded next year. So I don't really know what to say, say about Phoenix. I want to say hats off to them. But, you know, I, as a sports fan, I would probably rather not make the championship than go to the championship and lose. Bears lost Super Bowl almost 15 years ago. I'm still not over that shit. So <laughs> that's just my opinion on that. But I thought it was very entertaining finals. And uh, I'm interested to see what this offseason does. So speaking of the offseason, let's go on to that. Of course, you all know I am a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. And uh, this is going to be a very interesting offseason for my team. Uh, this is going to be AK, Arturis Ar Ar Carnesova's the Bulls. 
president of basketball operations, the Bears and Bulls GM, Mark Eversley. This will be their second offseason. And this will be their first offseason with knowing what they have on this roster. And as far as a Bulls fan, as a Bulls fan, my expectations would be two things. You need a point guard. That's the number one thing. The Kobe White experiment as a starting point guard is dead. I don't need to see Sadorowski on this roster ever the fuck again. Uh, go out there and get you a vet guard. And, of course, there's been rumors in the, uh, in the media, you know, from – Shams from Woj and you know different guys like that saying that they're gonna go out there and aim for Alonzo Ball. I think Alonzo Ball big great addition to the team. He's actually number one on my list. I feel like his style would mesh a lot with this offense. I think you know Alonzo's one of those guys, but I don't even think he's really found his his footing yet. Got his footing yet in the league, and I feel like this young roster with uh with Billy Donovan's coaching style will really, really help him the most. So I think that would be number one on my list is Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry would be a good addition. I think Malcolm Brogdon would be cool, even though I don't know if Brogdon will really work because he gets injured a lot. And I think he's more of a score first point guard more than, you know, like a Kyle Lowry or Alonzo Ball. But I also think an interesting name, too, is Derrick Rose. Bring the boy home, as I like to say. Um, I don't know if he would come home because, you know, that pressure of playing back home again. I don't know if he would do that. And I do think he likes this situation in New York. But we do know that he still has a lot of love for the Bulls. You know, him and the Reinsdorf are still cool. So that's definitely a possibility. But as a Bulls fan, I hope we can get a Zach Levine extension this year, this offseason. I wouldn't bet on it because I'm pretty sure he's going to wait till next year when he can gain more money, which is a smart move, which is a smart move uh, for him as a player. But um, I think that uh, if you can get a point guard that makes sense on this team and get defenders, this is one of the worst defensive teams that I've seen last year. And then you're going to have a full training camp with Zach and Boots together. And last year, at the end of last season, they really got into a groove and then Zach had to be put in COVID protocol. That kind of fucked up their groove. And they pretty much killed any chances of them getting into the playing game. And so for next year, also Pat Williams uh, emergence. Like he has to really step up next. He had a pretty good rookie campaign. He's got a full offseason, full training camp he's going to have for the first time. And I think if he can be more aggressive offensively, it's going to really help this uh, team a lot. And uh, as a fan, anything less than a six seed to me will be disappointed next year. Because I'm not here to watch them in a playing game. And the playing tournament is back. I told all y'all it's coming back. By the way, everybody's like, oh, it's just going nowhere. It's stupid. No, it, it was good for me. We had a very enjoyable time watching uh playing this year. Now, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have a Steph Curry versus LeBron James type deal anymore. But, you know, I expect both of those teams to have to be healthier and have higher seeds next year. But um, it's definitely going to be, if I'm a Bulls, I don't want to see that. I need them. They need to be hosting a seven-game series or be in a seven-game series for next season to be a success. So it's going to be an interesting year for the Bulls. I do think it's going to be at least an 80% roster overhaul. Um, I don't expect a lot of people to be there. I think the only people who are guaranteed to be back next year are Zach Levine, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Pat Williams, and maybe Kobe White. Those are the only three that will be a lot to me. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Now let's get into the NFL. Uh, they don't have it here on the rundown. I thought I added it on the side, but obviously I didn't. Uh, there's two two-part thing. We'll talk about the NFC North uh, real quick. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers 
to start it off. Um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's kind of in limbo right now. We've been on Aaron Rodgers' watch literally since the draft. Um, literally since the draft, we've been on his watch when in the news that came out that he wasn't happy with the Packers. He wanted to leave. And it's pretty much been on a standstill since then. You know, he's been hosting Jeopardy. He's been on vacation with his uh, fiance and his friends. You know, he was in the uh, in that little golfing tournament with Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. And Packers camp starts in the week. And as of right now, he does not plan to attend. But the thing to me, and, and then news came out this week, Adam Schefter said that he turned down a two-year deal that would have made him not only the highest-paid player in the league, but the highest-paid player in all of football. That uh, oh, actually, it was, three, it was a uh, yeah, two act two-year deal. He already got three more, three years left on this deal, so five years total. It would have made him the highest-paid player in the history of football. He turned it down. Now we don't know the details of this contract. We don't know what incentives was in there. We don't know what options was in there. We don't know how much of that money was guaranteed. So. But to see that he turned that down, we do know. And like I've always said, it's it's not about the money. The Packers organization fucked up two years ago. Actually, not two years. Last year, 2020 draft, when they drafted Jordan Love and didn't consult Aaron Rodgers. You should always do that. If you have a franchise guy who's been there, like, look, Aaron, you're getting you're getting you're getting a little older. You know what I'm saying? So we've got to protect our future and have this guy. Uh, waiting in the wings instead of just doing without informing him. That's what he fucked up. And Aaron Rodgers is a guy who divorced his damn mama. He divorced his family. His mama don't talk to him. His brothers don't talk to him. Even Brett Favre said, "When when Aaron don't fuck with you, he don't fuck with you." So to me, expecting him to get on the Packers side, I just don't see. Now, with that being said, he has to make it a definitive decision now because the Packers aren't going to trade him. The Packers are calling his bluff. Like we don't believe. You're going to sit out this entire season. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to do one of two things. You got to either sit the entire season out, go do Jeopardy, do some other shit, or quit. Retire. That's the only two options because I don't see the Packers trading him. Now, I think that's very stupid and very arrogant of the Packers. If I'm a team and I know one of my best players doesn't want to be there, I'm going to trade him and get as much as I possibly can for him, especially at his age. And I understand he's reigning MVP. I understand the Packers won the last two NFC Championship games, but you might as well cut your losses and get everything that you could possibly say. And I'm saying this as a guy looking at it from a football perspective. I'm not saying this as a biased Bears fan. And my, I'm, I, as a Bears fan, my Bears fan mind, I'm kind of split on it. 50% of me wants him to just leave. Please leave. Let your 16-year reign of terror on my franchise come to an end. But the competitive side of me is like, I kind of want Justin Fields to bust his ass. I kind of want to get my last piece of revenge to send him out, to have an opportunity to play the Packers with the quarterback who ain't trash. Because let's just keep it all the way funky. They've the, the dominance that the Packers have had in the NFC North over the last decade plus has been because the NFC North has had a lot of whack-ass quarterbacks. Of course, we all know the Bears' history. The Vikings ain't had nobody. Their best quarterback is Kirk Cousins. And that tells you everything you need to know. The Lions are the Lions. So they feasted off a bad division for 16 years. So I want to see. And it's not like the Packers just used to just kick our ass. That's not like two or three games. Every game has been incredibly close with having some of the worst quarterbacks you've ever seen in your life. So I want to see what it's like when we got our own quarterback. So I'm kind of I'm torn 
on really what I want to happen. But I'm cool either way. But if you're the Packers, it's an incredibly stupid move. I would trade him. And and then and, and even if he does come back, you're going to have a disgruntled superstar. That's going to rub off on the rest of the team. And I just feel like they just cut their losses and uh, and let it go. So, Aaron, it's like, you know, it, it's time to shit to get off the pot if you're Aaron Rodgers. You got to let them know what you're going to do. It's actually kind of getting tired. If you did all this, you're just going to show up late August. It's like, what's the fucking point? So he's really got to put, you know, draw a line in the sand and see what he wants to do. Now, as far as the Bears, I'm very excited for this upcoming season. Um, training camp begins next week. And, of course, anybody listening, watching this podcast, uh, watching this show, you're very uh, – yeah, I'm pretty much pretty sure you're in tune with 79th and House, which is the show that started everything for me on the media side. Me and my brother Flows, we will be Flows will be at Hallis Hall next week. He will be covering the uh, Bears training camp, our first training camp. So you know, subscribe, listen to the pod. We're gonna keep to keep you up to date with everything, man. So there's a lot of a lot of um, storylines going into this upcoming season. We got the uh, the A Rob contract thing. He still hasn't got his contract. He's going to play the season now on the franchise tag. You got the defense. How's the defense going to look? Is it going to be any older? Um, can Khalil Mack have a bounce back in? And it's kind of funny because Khalil Mack, like for any other defensive lineman, what he done the last two years would be looked at as elite. But we have such a high uh, expectation for Khalil that 16 stats and 16 sacks combined in the last two seasons is looked at as mediocre. And can he go out there and have a, a defensive play of the year type season? You know, how's Eddie Jackson going to be um, this year after having not really that good of a, a year last year? You know, how's the how's the offensive line going to look? Got a lot of young guys on there. But the biggest question, when is Justin Fields going to start? And I know a lot of Bears fans are losing their shit. Oh, what's the point of sitting them? As a Bears fan, I honestly don't care when he starts. And I say that because of this. Andy Dalton is not good, but compared to the other quarterbacks we've had, he ain't that bad either. I don't. I think that you know, starting the season with Andy Dalton would not be the worst thing possible. And I think it's just be a matter of time before Justin does start. And I think say that because either either Andy's going to huff it up and just be trash, or he's going to get hurt. One of the two things is going to happen first. And uh, it's just something I feel like Bears fans just have to be a little patient which is, you know, Bears fans and patients don't really go hand in hand. But like I said a couple days ago, I've, I've waited 30-something years for a franchise quarterback. I can wait a couple more days, a um, couple more weeks at least. And I do think that he will be the starter before week six. I definitely think he will. Now, Matt Nagy has an itchy trigger finger. He might be out there week one. I mean, this is somebody who said last year, we're going to give Mitch every opportunity to succeed. Mitch threw an uh, interception in the second quarter of game two, Last season, he pulled his ass from Nick Foles. So, you know, one thing is that if you're not a Bears fan, even if you are a Bears fan, you got to understand, Matt Nagy is a liar. I don't believe shit that comes out of his word. And if I'm him, if I'm Nagy, and if I'm Pace, I make it a legit quarterback competition. If Justin goes out there and kicks his ass in camp, not only are the players going to know, there's no point in holding him back at that point. So, I'm interested to see what that uh, battle is going to be like. And all eyes on Matt Nagy, man. He can't use Mr. Trubisky as a scapegoat for his shitty plays. Always said that. Always felt that Mitch was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Mitch was terrible. But I feel like Matt Nagy's play calling was just as bad. And, and he never really did Mitch any favors. You know, he could always blame Mitch for his bad calls. He can't do that now. He got his quarterback. Go out there. Show me something, man. 
uh, as far as record, I don't really have a record prediction. Um, I don't really know, you know, what this team is going to look like. You know, and, and as much as we're excited for Justin, he's still a rookie. So it's going to be that learning curve. You know what I'm saying? Everybody can't come out there and just be like Patrick Mahomes right away. I would love for that to happen. It would be fucking awesome if he comes out and he's just fucking bodying it from the jump. But there might be a learning curve. You know, I think he's the most NFL-ready QB. So I don't really have a record prediction. Uh, as long as he goes out there and he has a great rookie campaign and stays healthy, that's good enough for me. Uh, let's get into MLB trade deadline. When you're here, when you hear this, we will be officially eight days away from the NBA trade deadline, which will be July 30th. A lot of big names have been scheduled to be on the trading block. The Cubs, Chris Bryant, uh, and Craig Kimbrell, the Colorado Rockies, Trevor Story, the Texas Rangers, Joey Gallo, um, just to name a few. Um and it's kind of like a staring contest right now between MLB general managers. A lot of smoke, but no fire. So I'm going to make my MLB trade deadline predictions on what players I do think will move. I do think that we will see some traction start to pick up like around Monday, Tuesday, as we get closer to the deadline. I think a lot of teams are going to be buyers. Uh, don't want to give up too much for these guys when nobody's making trades right now. And I think that's the real big holdup. I think next week, sellers are going to get real desperate. Uh, my first big prediction, I think that Chris Bryant will be traded to the New York Mets. Now, I'm not going to name whatever packages. I don't know the fucking packages. I don't know the Mets farm system and uh, what players they have that they could send to the Cubs for a nice package. But I think Chris, I think Chris Bryant's gone. And if you're the Cubs, you you want to get him out of here because you know he's not going to resign. The biggest mistake the Cubs have made was six years ago when they intentionally held his ass down for a month because of, you know, arbitration and keep an extra year control. That pissed him off. That pisses AJ Scott Boris off. And he has not let go of that since. And it's kind of been a thing for the last couple of years. We knew that when his contract with the Cubs out, he was going to go. So if you're the Cubs, cut your losses, get as much as you can for KB. And thank you for being MVP in 2016. Thank you for leading this team to their first championship in over 100-plus years. Enjoy your career with the Mets. And I think if you're the Mets, that would be a great pickup for them. He can play multiple positions. He can help uh, with Frankie Lindor being on the injured list. Um, they're going through a lot of things with DeGrom being on the injured list. He would definitely help on the offensive side of things. So I think he will be traded. As far as the other Cubs, I think Craig Kimbrell is going to be traded. They're all-star closer. And here's my prediction. I think he'll be traded, but he ain't going to have to move. He's going to be traded cross town. I think he's going to be a member of the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox number one issue right now is bullpen help. Uh, they have the best closer in the American League is Liam Hendricks. And they've also got Michael Kopak, who's been who can be used as an eight-inning guy, multiple inning reliever. But they've got a lot of holes in that bullpen, a lot of leaky bullpen man, issues and that uh, issue that they really got addressed. And I think Craig Kimball's the one. Now, you can also say, well, he's a closer. How's that going to work when you got Liam Hendricks? You have to be an eighth inning guy. I think he can work. I think he can work. Now, it might hit him on the ego side of things. It might hit him on the ego side of things. But if you're trying to go out there and win a championship, I think that's the best move to do. And I think that that will be a move that the, that the White Sox will do. Another move that the I think the White Sox will, move, will take advantage of. I think they will get Eduardo Escobar from the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's been a lot of you know rumors about that over the last month. Uh, rumor that a trade was close, but then he got hurt. 
I do think they're going to do that. I think they're going to have to give up uh, that prospect, Jake Berger. I think Jake Berger will be the guy that you have to give up. And I think Jake is a good young guy. But position-wise, with Moncada at third, uh, with uh, Andrew Vaughn at being at first, I don't really see a spot fin position-wise long-term with the Sox. So you're probably going to give him up to get Eduardo or Escobar, and that'd be somebody who can fill in with Nick Madrigal being out for the rest of the season. Because you can't, you can't go into October uh, you know, platooning with Lurie Garcia and Danny Minnick. You just can't do that. And all due respect to Lurie Garcia, I love Lurie Legend, man. He's one of the best bench guys in the league. But – He's not an everyday starter. You can't have him be an everyday second baseman going to the playoffs. So I think Eduardo Escobar and Craig Kimball will be Chicago White Sox. I think Trevor Story is going to stay. I think Trevor Story is going to stay in uh, Colorado. I don't think there's anybody going to be willing to give up that much for him, knowing he's going to be a free agent next year. And his numbers, he has, he hasn't, he isn't having the typical Trevor Story season. And his numbers outside of Coors Field are very, very sus. You know, Coors Field has inflated hitting numbers, man. So I, I don't think he is going to go anywhere. And I do think somehow, some way, the Yankees will find a way to get Joey Gallo. I think the Yankees will find a way to get Joey Gallo. He's got another year on his deal before he hits arbitration in 2022. Um, I think that'd be a good addition for them. They need to score some more runs. They need to make that late, late wild card push. Uh, they're not the team that I, I, even though I didn't think the Yankees were going to be, you know, a team that could make the world series. Cause I just didn't really question their pitching. I didn't, you know, like their pitching like that, but I definitely didn't think that they would be nine games out in the division. So right now they got to try to go out there and get that wild card. So those are my major MLB trade deadline acquisitions, uh, predictions. And I think we'll see the market heat up around Monday or Tuesday, man. Um, and now we're going to get into our interview. We've got uh, my guy, the uh, one of the, the, the founder of this uh, great network that you're watching right now, HMB Media TV, my man, Pavy. Uh, Pav, are you there? I'm here, man. What's up? What's going on, bro? I'm chilling, man. How you feeling? I am doing pretty good. You know, just making sure I got uh, my camera right, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know where to follow him, man, at Pavy World on Twitter and Instagram, man. You can visit his website, pavverbs.com. Download songs about women on all streaming platforms. Uh, you got a new video out. Soft Lips is out right now. Soft Check that out. Right now. Check that out. Check that out. Uh, shooting a new video this weekend. We got a, a, a Good, two good songs come for you in a couple weeks, man, between yeah. you and the homie Tia Swim team, man. But thank you for coming on here on the show. We were supposed to do this in person, but the Delta variant had other plans. So, yeah. so we are here. Yeah, but we here, though. We made it work. We made it work, man. So what's going on, man? You, you, you're uh, Pastor Thomas, man. You, you, you came at the beginning of the season. You said the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win the championship. Everybody, including me, thought you were fucking crazy. I was like, oh, there's no way. The Lakers can either win it. The Nets can win it. I'm going to give you the floor to, you know, give yourself an applause for what happened. Nah, I mean, like, just once, just once. First of all, I, I always thought that the way the Bucks lost last year was kind of overrated. Like, they lost one game with no time left on the clock. Giannis sprains his ankle. I think he missed a couple of games. And even, like, the final game, I think – uh, where well, they they won a game without Giannis, and I think the final game, I think Giannis either came back, he was out for. Yeah, I think like, he was hurt. Yeah, but yeah. still, it was like a close game until the end, and then there was just so much going on. Um, the uh, Jacob Blake situation had happened, had happened. Um, down the street from Milwaukee, so Milwaukee led the walkout. There was just like a lot going on in the government experiment 
um, as you call it, uh, as you call it, Jimmy Butler outscored it. Like I rock with Jimmy, but outscoring the team in the whole quarter, the hell out of here. Jimmy, my man, but he definitely, he definitely yeah, a bubble buddy. Hell out of he, here. He a bubble buddy. He out had a Tyler, Tyler Hero look like, look like, look like peak Jeff Hornacek. Right there, look, look right. The second like, cover to Jason Williams. Like he was balling. Jay Crowder couldn't miss a shot. Yeah. I'm like, bro, it's not like, nah. I just thought people already the way that, that they lost last year and Drew Holiday. Um, I thought was a huge pickup. I've heard many times Kevin Durant does a lot of podcasts. I've heard Kevin Durant many times say Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the NBA. Kevin Durant is one of the best scorers I've seen with my own two eyes. So if KD say he one of the best defenders in the NBA, I think that man one of the best defenders in the um NBA. And you put that man with, with uh, Giannis, who I'm, I've said many times I think he deserved the Defensive Player of the Year award, but he won it. But also he's the best help defender probably I've ever seen, honestly, like. Help defense, he's probably one of the best help defenders that probably I've ever seen. You put that with him. Middleton, I've always liked Middleton. I, I, Middleton yeah, is a, you've been a Middleton guy. Yeah, Lord Middleton, as I call him. He's like a, <laughs> Middleton is a 50-40-90 guy. Obviously, he's not consistent every single night, but he still is a 50-40-90 guy. He's, he's, he's not a bad defender. I thought that the team had everything that they needed to win basketball games and to win a championship. Giannis just had to get better. And credit to Giannis, Giannis got much better. I've never seen Giannis play or do some of the things that he's done in this final series um, that he did. Actually, I've told you this like in just conversation. I think that the injury kind of helped him use his finesse oh, more sure. and use yeah. his skill more. I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have been trying to power through people and maybe, and, and maybe would have relied on some of the things that he relied on before that maybe didn't work as well. But I've never seen the man finish the way he finished. His touch was incredible. He was um shooting the ball um greatly. And also the, the mid-season acquisition of P.J. Tucker, I think, cannot be understated. Uh, once they got Tuck, I'm like, yep, they got everything they need. And again, PJ Tucker is another guy who Kevin Durant has said many times is one of the best defenders on planet Earth and gives him the most trouble, which is why I picked them to beat the Nets. Um, and Coach Bud, you got to give Coach Bud credit um, for do his it. performance. I think you do. do. do I think I they think want a spider Bud. No, here, here is why I give Bud credit. I think okay. Bud did a great job of just managing minutes. Like okay. Giannis didn't even play. Like Giannis didn't play forty minutes. Like if you look at his average, I think I think in game six he played forty two, but okay. like but like as far as like his whole like, like series, series, he okay. played thirty eight point nine. And I'm pretty sure a lot of that was because in game six he played forty two. Yeah. Like the, the way that he managed everybody's minutes, I think was incredible. Um, and I think you had to give him credit for that. So shout out the Bucks. I love being right. Um, yeah, <laughs> being right is awesome. Being right is awesome. It's definitely my favorite thing. Uh, I, I don't. I, like I said, I'm not gonna give Bud that credit because I kind of feel like even when Levitar said on uh, in their post game, I'd fire Bud tomorrow. <laughs> I, no, you gotta I, keep I, it. I still get rid of his ass. I feel like they won in spite. I feel like if the White Sox win the World Series, I'll be saying the same thing in October. We won in spite of Tony Larusa. It's just I feel like if you have that much talent, sometimes. It, it goes over. Either way, salute to them. Now, while I was talking about earlier in the show, talking about the Giannis era. Do you think this signals a new era in the NBA, or this is just something to, uh, whatever, it'll be Lakers or uh, Nets next year? Actually, shout out my homie Glasses, because we had this conversation actually like right before the show. I think it signals a new era. It signals okay. the era that America is fucked. <laughs> no, like I'm no like no like I'm like, 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 like no like no like let's actually really analyze this. The last three MVPs, all foreign born. Yeah. The last three defensive player of the years, all foreign born. I think there is a, I, I think we may not see a American led MVP this entire decade. 
So, like, mm. yes, I do think that we're entering a new era, but the era is there is a serious problem with American basketball. I mean, with obviously, the, uh, American teaches basketball. There is there is a serious problem. Obviously, you got Luca. I think you got Luca coming up. But let's give me, do you think? Do you think Giannis win any, any more MVP? I think he will, but even still, Embiid he's not American. This is true. Embiid isn't American. Yoke is true. just one. I think that coming into um next year, I, also Giannis is twenty six. I still think he can get better. Like, That's what I said he, early on the show. That's what. I what said if he? What if he yeah. plays like again? Yeah, he wasn't playing the way he played in the finals all year. No. What if he plays like that all year? Yeah. I think, like you said, the injury is, is crazy because it kind of made him be more finesse. And I think it also kind of made him like, I feel like he's more of a big man in this series a little bit. Yes. Like, and I think that one thing that you can even see in this post game, he trusts Chris Middleton so fucking much. You know what I'm saying? Like he even said in the post in the in his interview, like he said he don't understand how much he motivates me. So for him to like give that to Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton had a shaky game until the fourth quarter. He woke up in the fourth quarter. I think that's going to help a lot. I think the biggest thing for Milwaukee is that monkey is off. And I think the scariest thing for the league is Giannis has confidence. Like, I think at some points in times, I don't think, (laughs) like, I don't always know if Giannis had the same level of confidence in himself. But you can see game by game, every single game, the confidence was growing. Because even just the shots he was taking, you ain't see him backing up and taking turnaround face and pivotal moments or, you know, continuing to go. Now, again, he hit 16, I think, what, 16 free throws? Yeah. Like honestly, out of nineteen from the field, something, something, like, that. something like that. Like honestly, Crazy. I think he shot sixty percent from the free throw line this season. What if he shoots seventy next year? That's like six extra points. That yeah. off top is thirty two points, thirteen rebounds, two blocks, a steal. So like, yes, I think he picks up more um MVPs. There's Embiid, there's Luca. Like, I think that's the area signaling that like foreign born. Obviously, this is what the NBA wanted when they sent the dream team over there yeah, like I mean, thirty it's years a, it's ago. A, it's the dream team's goal realized, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Jordan, Pippen, Magic, Bird, that whole crew, they made motherfuckers want to hoop. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot. And a lot of them, even uh the younger, like younger guys like uh, Luca and them, even though they were like, I don't they weren't even born when the dream team was around. They've seen the dream team tapes because a lot of they shit they didn't get to later on. So that type of thing you see now, I think it's great for the league, but I think as far as the Bucks are concerned. Like Rudy, like Rudy T always said, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Now they like, look, y'all can't fuck with us now. Like, you know, yeah. even though we know, even though we know uh, Philly, you know, maybe Philly, maybe Philly gets Dame, whatever they want to do, or Brooklyn gets back, they're still going to be like, okay, we the champs. Y'all still got to beat us. And I think that's something that's tremendous, especially with Giannis. Now they have a formula in the fourth quarter. They know we can trust Chris Middleton to make a big shot consistently. We can trust Giannis to be unstoppable in the game. That's going to be scary. And if you're the Nets, we still don't know if all three of them can stay healthy. That's that's a a big thing that's coming up with them. So I think it's good. Do you think that as far as like the Giannis era, do you think like the official pass of the torch has has gone between him and LeBron or you think it's still kind of LeBron's league? I mean, I don't think it's LeBron's league anymore. I mean, I think that, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's Giannis's quote-unquote league yet. Um, I think that, you know, now we want to see if they can repeat. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't say it's his quote-unquote league yet, but it's definitely not LeBron. We're definitely entering into a new era of um, basketball. Like, again, even the picture, you you mentioned earlier, the picture, when you see LeBron watching Giannis, like, damn, I remember when I could do that. Like, yeah, this, this is definitely, again, I, I don't I don't know if it's Giannis's league, but we're definitely entering into a new era and we're transitioning away from the basketball that we grew up on. 
Definitely. Um, let's talk about the Phoenix side of it, man. Phoenix, um, like I said earlier, they blew a golden opportunity, man. You know, they blew yeah. a golden opportunity. I don't think this is a team where they can be like, oh, we just going to run it back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you can't do that. Uh, what do you think this does for Chris Paul? Do you think his legacy suffers? What do you think he's going to do this offseason? Because he said he wants to get paid a lot of money, but he also wants to win. I know the Lakers came up, but he's the president of basketball operations. I can't see him taking a massive pay cut. What do you think is going to happen for Phoenix and for Chris Paul? I mean, if I'm Chris Paul at this point, you're probably not going to win a championship. But what he can do is set himself up for a front office job or like a president job, something like that. And I think Phoenix is maybe a great place for it. Obviously, you see James Johnson is that no James James Jones James Jones James, James Jones, Jones is yeah. there as well. I think he's the president or is it the general manager or what or something like that. But I think he's setting himself up. I think he's setting his life after basketball life up personally right now. Um, I think he probably stays at Phoenix. I don't really see. I don't really see anywhere that would allow him to one get paid and two also um like, get paid and compete. also yeah compete. Like I don't think Phoenix is going to get back to a championship next year, but I think that they can definitely compete. Um, I think they do need some roster changes. I think they really need just more defense in general. Um, I also think that they could probably use a backup center badly. Yeah. Like Frank Kaminsky, not great. Yeah, no help for Aiden. Like Frank Kaminsky was getting pivotal minutes in the game six. Now, granted, he gave him some minutes. He did right. some quality things. But if I got to depend on Frank Kaminsky to give me quality minutes in a pivotal playoff game, Something is seriously wrong with that roster. It <laughs> <Right. laughs> was a moment where he was going shot for shot. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Something is wrong with that roster. So I definitely think that they just need more in, um, in general defense. Um, and Devin Booker just has to get better than me, in my personal opinion. Yeah, Devin Booker, man, first of all, I can never bring up Kobe comparisons again. Like, me and you were both saying what was going on. It's still relaxed. Yes, yeah, so and the only thing they got in common is Kobe like talking to his ass. Like that's the only <laughs> only thing they had in common. Like just just stop. I think I think Book has got to like he got to find like we know he can score, but it's got to be a, a different play, a playmaking ability, or get better defensively to make him uh, better. Because he he was selling the game six. Let's just keep it funky. He was terrible. Yeah, he just he just looked out of sorts. Um, yeah. I feel like Drew really got into him. Like it looked like even in Game Five, right when he gets the ball stolen, you should have actually shot the ball like three seconds before then. He got himself trapped and then like allowed Drew to come down. He just has to get better, man. He just, he just had to get. But maybe you know he'll get double team in the right. uh, summertime <laughs> games, right? And 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 and, and, and um, pick up games and won't mind it. And but for me, defensively, I think he has to get better defensively. Now I don't know. I don't know what him getting better defensively looks like. You know, maybe it's him playing the passing lanes better. Um, I wonder if his lateral quickness will ever allow him to be a great on ball defender. But I think he has to at least affect the game in some type of way defensively because right now he doesn't. Definitely. Um, what did you think about this series in general, uh, this season in general? Like uh, a lot of people didn't think we'd be able to get through this season. A lot of COVID protocols. We didn't know if crowds is going to come back. And what did you like? How would you grade this season playoffs and like, you know, the job that Adam Silver did this year? Um, I know people hate Adam Silver, but I personally think he did the best he could. Um, like it was a bad situation. Like it was a yeah. bad situation. Like what? Like what are we gonna do? Just not play basketball for two years? Well, I mean, I even you don't know when it's going in. It may never end. Like, it might never end. Yeah, like what are you gonna do? Just like yeah. not play? Like not play basketball? I think it was a bad situation, but he did the best with um what he could do. Um, I don't think all of the like I know every time everybody got hurt, everybody pointed at like Adam Silva. I don't think every injury was Adam Silva's fault. Like I don't yeah. think. Kyrie stepping on Giannis's foot is Adam Silver's fault. I don't think Kawhi literally bumping knees and tearing his ACL was Adam Silver's fault. 
I don't think Jamal Murray even like that he was on the injury report for like he had missed six games and then with, with a bad knee and then came back. I don't think everything is Adam Silver's fault. I think he did the best. He and the NBA did the best with the situation. And it's actually commendable that they even got through the season. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's commendable that they even got through the season, in my personal opinion. So what you as far as like entertainment value, like compared like this playoff, this final like last year, like I personally didn't enjoy the bubble. I don't know what you mm-hmm. if you enjoyed it or not, but did were you entertained by the postseason in the finals? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, I think for so long, I think people weren't entertained by it because you've been accustomed to the same people winning. You've been accustomed to KD and Steph and LeBron, and yeah. it's like, bro, all these guys are thirty. At some day, they're not going to be there anymore, bro. Yep. So you have to start enjoying new players. And I thought that that part was cool, you know, just being able to just see Giannis finally break through, even seeing a team like the Hawks, even seeing Phoenix, and just also even going to the finals in, like, Milwaukee gave me a different level of of appreciation for some of these cities that maybe aren't used to, you know, their team actually having a chance to compete for a championship. I think it's beautiful. Like, I think it's great Phoenix was a homegrown team that made the finals. Even Atlanta, a homegrown team for the most part, that made the conference finals. Milwaukee, a homegrown team. Like, I was very entertained. Um, and, and I also think this NBA finals probably was the best NBA finals since 2013. Yeah, that's what I said. As far as just every single – like, I love 2016. 2016 saved my life. I ain't – I haven't – I haven't – 2016 birthed this podcast. I haven't uh, – literally. Yeah. I haven't I, – I, I haven't frowned for multiple days since LeBron <laughs> came back 3-1. But let's be real. There were two good games in that series. Yeah. It was game five and game, game five, seven. Game seven yeah. Those were the only good games. Like, and, and this every single game outside of probably the first one. Even the a, first two had elements of, like, intrigue a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Giannis trying to come back at the end of game two. You know, it was, it was entertaining front to back. Yeah. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this finals, this playoffs. I think we got great moments. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, even just in these finals, look at look at look at the plays we got that will probably be played forever. Like Cam Johnson's dunk is going to be in dunk reels forever. Giannis's block is going to be in reels forever. The, yeah, the alley oop uh, is going to be in reels forever. You know, uh, there's so many plays that probably we're going to repeat forever that happen um, 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 in these playoffs. So, yeah. Now, this is going to be a quick offseason. You know, the draft is on Thursday. You know, free agency begins, I think, a couple days after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be going. We're going to get back to our October to June schedule. So it's going to be a short offseason again. If you could give us one major offseason, I guess, prediction, a player movement, uh, and that's, that's just going to happen that you think will happen this, this offseason. And I think it happened this offseason. It can be hot right? takeish, whatever. I just want to see Damon Philly. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just keep saying it. I just I if 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 I want to see Damon Philly too, honestly. If Dame wants to leave and he wants to actually win basketball games, like if winning basketball games and not building his personal brand as high as it can go is not top list, but winning basketball games, go to Philly, man. Say, yo, I want to get there. They got they got a guy that they can send back to Portland and um Ben Simmons. Obviously, you know, Ben Simmons may never be a superstar, but I still think Ben Simmons is a bona fide star. Like he may be the best defensive player, one of them in the NBA. He He's may win a defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, so like that's a quality guy. And for Portland, you're probably gonna go to the same place you went with Dame if yeah. you get Ben Simmons. So me personally, I want to see Dame in Philly. And I think that the power is switching back to the Eastern Conference. 
I hope so. And hopefully my Chicago Bulls be somewhere involved in the next five years. God willing. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> God willing. Hey, man, you better start if going to Milwaukee. From Milwaukee if you better it happens in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, the balance of power has to come back. Yeah, no, it don't. The balance of power has to come <laughs> no, it back. It don't. Larry I do think the Bulls need to come home. I do think the Bulls will uh, start, will will have a competitive team, at least a very competitive team by at least 2024. I do think that. Let's hope. Uh, let's get into your music, man. Now, everybody knows your rapper, rapper by uh, rapper by day, Stephen A. Smith by night. Uh, you got your project songs about women mm-hmm. right now. Of course, I'm interviewing like I don't know shit about this. Like, like I'm not your manager. Like, I know know everything that's going on. <laughs> but uh, for people, to, to, for everybody else, tell us about like pretty much what the process was and going to go into songs about women. This has like been your most. This has been our most successful project. This is the yeah. one that's got. The most listens, you know, two records over a hundred thousand streams, which is huge. Tell us what the process of that was, why you named this songs about women, and what you plan to do with the rest of the summer. I'm not gonna act like it was some like long, drawn out, thought out process. It was really a situation of like obviously it was deep in quarantine, like the point when like nobody was really going anywhere. Yeah. So I remember like I had started recording uh, with my or DC had moved my 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 engineer DC had moved out to LA, and I started recording with him again. Then like everything in the world kind of shut down. I was like, well. I don't want to like not record for months because who knows where this is going. So right. I got me a little studio set up in the crib and just started recording every day. Obviously, we're recording every day. You're not really leaving the house. So it's like everything ain't that interesting to you're not leaving the house. So at some point in time, yeah, you can write lyrical, miracle, spiritual and raps like that. But I just took it. and I was like, yo, let me just like rap about something every day. And I talked to a lot of women. Like, so I just started rapping about the women I know. And I would just send them the song because it was cool. <laughs> um, and that's really how it came about. And then after a while, I was like, yo, I should make a project just called Songs About Women and just like put them together. Um, so that's really was the process. It wasn't like some long drawn out, super thought out thing. It was just the process, just recording every day and wanting something to talk about. And um, yeah, just recording every day and wanting something to talk about. It's not like I was sat down and you know had some long drawn out calculation. Yeah, or a lot, like a lot that. of our shit don't be long drawn out. A lot of our shit usually comes from like conversations. Uh, we drinking and shit like, hey, gee, you know, be yeah. funny shit to do. We should do this. And yeah. what I'm working on the rest of the summer. So shout out my homie T T um, of the Swim T. Team. Um, he makes he makes a lot of my uh, production. Um, we just, he, he moves to LA. We just started hanging out. Um, obviously again, deep in quarantine, not like you were seeing everybody. So you would see maybe four or five people, the same people we would always hang out. Usually there would be some, um, recording involved. We started making a bunch of songs. It was like, yo, we should make a project. And we hang out all, like all the time anyway. So we should just like talk about our adventures when we go out. So yeah. So that'll be coming uh, really soon for you guys. And, um, yeah. Some of my favorite records on there, man. I'm looking forward to people hearing this shit. Well, thank you, Scott. <laughs> See, look, listen, I don't, I don't bullshit. Like, if, it, if he has a bad song, I'll tell him that shit. Has. Yeah, he will. There, there have like, been songs people have liked that he has not liked. I'm lying. It's some bullshit. Like, so you'll never have to worry about me lying to you about a song. We, we keep it G over here. So, um, but let them know where they can follow you. Everything that you got, you know, all your social joints. Um, everyone on the internet, I'm um, at Pavit World, so you can follow me there. Uh, Pavit.com, please go to that, check that out. Um, like I said, Songs About Women is up everywhere you like to stream music. That's Spotify, Apple, Tidal, Amazon Music, if that's what you like to do. YouTube is everywhere. Um, yeah, man, follow me. Follow me, get in touch with me. You stream his music so I can move to Beverly Hills. <laughs> Facts. <Get me> out. <laughs> Thanks, G, for uh, joining me. My brother. Now, we're going to close out this episode of uh, I'm Not Gonna Hold You, uh, Quarantine Edition. Uh, not, uh, not quarantine, on-base edition. As you can see, I'm in my apartment. 
Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll be in the studio, back in the studio in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, Goofy Mog of the Week. Now, I had a hard time figuring who was going to be my Goofy Mog of the Week this week. It wasn't that much goofy shit that I really cared about talking about, but I saw a little thing going, I hate to I hate to do it to my guy because I like this guy. He's one of my top five favorite athletes ever. Without this guy, I wouldn't love sports as much as I do. But I got to give it to my man Prime. Got to give it to Deion Sanders, man. And we all I got it. We all know he's the he's the, the head coach of uh, Jackson State, and uh, he got mad at his media day the other day because one of the reporters did not call him Mister Sanders, Coach Sanders, and called him Deion and said, "If Dick Saban was sitting up here, you wouldn't call him Nick." That's my problem with that, man. First of all, reporters call Nick Saban Nick all the motherfucking time. Let's just let's get that clear right now. He's called Nick all the damn time. Number two, these ain't your damn players. These ain't your ten players. These ain't your kids. They ain't got to call you Coach Sanders. I call your ass Dion. And to me, this kind of goes this little thing that old people like to do. You know, a lot of older black people like to do too. Like, oh, you're gonna call me Miss So and So. I believe respect is earned. If your name is your name, I'm gonna call you by your first fucking name. That's just that's just how it is. I'm not gonna, you know, you're not any better than me uh, because you've been on this earth a little longer than that. So. It's just a short goofy mod. We I wouldn't even call it goofy. It was just something kind of annoying. And Dion is more of a, a victim of me having nobody else to cuss out this week. But Dion, get together, bro. Figure out a way to build that program. Maybe we can get some more athletes in the HBCUs. But besides that, I fuck with everything Dion's doing over there. Love primetime. He's a top five favorite athlete of mine. And for those of you who want to know my top five favorite athletes of all time, maybe you don't give a fuck. I'm going to tell you fucking anyway. It's Michael Jordan. It's Kobe Bryant. It's Derek Jeter. It's uh, Tom Brady. And it is Deion Sanders. Those are my top five favorite athletes of all time. Now, I thank you all for joining me. Uh, hopefully, you don't notice my camera. My webcam zooming out as much <laughs> as it has kind of annoying, but I will get that corrected for next week. I appreciate everybody for listening. I mean, watching and listening on not just HB Media TV, but also on the Barber's Chair Network. Um, like to appreciate everybody's been, you know, supporting me over these last couple weeks. All the love has been overwhelming. I appreciate it, man. We're just trying to build some type of content, man. Uh, hopefully, in a couple weeks. We'll be back in the studio. You know to follow me at Barbershare Scott on Twitter, on Instagram. You can follow the Barber's Chair Network on Twitter and Instagram at Barber's Chair Net. Follow HMB Media, HMB Media TV on Twitter and Instagram. And mess with our Patreon, man. Patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network. $5 summer sessions, summer sessions package. And by the way, new summer sessions will be out on Friday. Me, Pav. Flows, Damien, we'll be back. We're trying to get back consistent with it. You know, everybody's had some busy schedules over the last couple weeks. We'll be back. And if you want to hear the OT episodes, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Five dollar package, ten dollar package. We're gonna be back next week, man. We're gonna have a lot, you know, the NFL. Hopefully, we'll have some movement on NBA MLB trade deadline. Training camp kicks off next week. We really fit again to my favorite time of the year, which is pennant races coming down to the last couple months. You know, team, we're going to really see what teams separate themselves. And the NFL, the Shield is back. Big Rod season returns. We'll be back next week, man. We out. I'm not going to hold you.